0: Welcome everyone to the 10th episode of POV Crypto. I'm David Hoffman here with my buddy Christian. Christian, we got someone else on, us, uh, with, on the line. You want to introduce him?
1: Yeah. Hey, how's it going everyone? This is Christian. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm uh, visiting BTC Media and Bitcoin Magazine. And here's my colleague, Michael Tyberg, who's a writer for Bitcoin Magazine.
2: Hey, what's going on everyone, uh, excited to be here.
0: Michael, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the space?
2: Sure thing. So I first got into Bitcoin uh, through, you know, just, uh, I guess when I was in college in around 2014, a lot of people were using it uh, in a kind of like recreational manner. Um, some of it was for gambling, uh, just different ways. So that was the first use case that I kind of really got brought onto, to. But it went over my head for a couple years. I revisited the subject when I kind of figured out exactly what I want to do. And I was kind of realizing this, uh, you know, appreciation for value, I guess. Uh, And that kind of led me towards finance. And eventually I got into um, a lot of readings, I guess, about like Ron Paul and whatnot. And I kind of fell into this rabbit hole of, you know, end the Fed, you know, change our fiat system, and voila, Bitcoin. So.
0: Pretty standard, pretty straightforward. I can definitely empathize with uh, that that general progression. Never thought I'd be in the world of finance, but then uh, the world of cryptocurrency grabbed my attention and here I am. Yeah, for sure.
1: So I recently kind of like started thinking about or defining Bitcoin as simply a conversation about what money is. So I feel like that's kind of a unique factor that brings us all together.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. the the It's been very, very helpful. Crypt, having cryptocurrency around to really uh, break down and uh, make people rethink what money is, what value is, and and how how there's a social consensus around around those topics.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: So that's actually kind of going to be what uh, the meat of this episode is today. We're going to start with a a, a very short comment on the markets. We're going to talk about what's been going on recently with the addition of basic attention token to Coinbase um, and then a few light topics like that. But then we're going to really talk about uh, Bitcoin, what Bitcoin really is, what its uh, potential is and what hyper Bitcoinization is. Um, And we're going to likely have a little bit of a debate uh, about the possibilities uh, behind that. Um, but we can get into the markets first, uh, which is relatively unchanged. Uh, still floating right above 200, uh, 200 billion market cap. Uh, Bitcoin sitting nicely in the 6,300 range. No, no uh, changes really. Small pump from Bitcoin Cash, but nothing too big. Anything you notice on your side, Christian?
2: Uh, So, Michael here, Uh, not much, you know, is going on other than that, Uh, you know, Bitcoin cash is currently up 21%, which is a little bit interesting. Um, I guess the entire market kind of revolves around what Bitcoin is going to do. Um, You know, we've seen in the past when uh, it stabilizes, even for just a week, obviously this is much longer, but uh, when it stabilizes, we get altcoin activity. Um, Not much other than basic attention token getting listed to Coinbase, that's really the um I guess market you know driver slash attention grabber right now
0: yeah i I did notice that with the basic attention token edition it it was it got a twenty percent pump uh and th- that I mean, which is good twenty percent is always good, but uh, in, when you compare it to all other coins that got added onto coinbase it's been the po- smallest pump so far uh I don't know if that has specifically anything to do with uh, the basic attention token fundamentals. Or it has to do with the Coinbase effect kind of wearing off, because every time Coinbase adds a new coin, it becomes less and less of a deal. Um, some people are, are predicting like a secondary pump that, that might happen, um, where, you know, pe- people are not really totally sure if this is going to go higher, but then so people are buying more, but volume is decreasing and we're seeing a retracement back down. It started at $0.26 cents before Coinbase, and then it jumped to $0.32, cents, and now we're back to 29 cents so we're still a little bit higher but uh yeah i I think that people are generally not totally excited for for this particular uh addition to coinbase
1: so uh just chiming in here i totally agree i think that with um bitcoin or sorry with uh bat being added to coinbase it has a effect where every additional coin is less and less meaningful um with that being said Bat hasn't actually landed on the mobile app yet, so I feel like that could be holding back some of the pump. Um, since it's only on Coinbase mm-hmm. Pro,
2: and you know, the interesting about this entire conversation is that we talk about how Bat is, you know, going to have this pump when it hits retail, um, but at the same time, we also have to understand, I guess, and this is just the way I like to look at it, that the people that Would be doing this pumping and you know the the pumping that happened uh last year in you know November, December, and so on. That all happened with a specific group of people that were using the app. And from what Coinbase has released in terms of their usage numbers and the kind of users that they have in terms of like daily active users and whatnot, they don't have the same group of people using the app. So I think that's something to take into consideration when we talk about these pumps because. These pumps are almost happening from a different group of people, like I guess people like us or people who are like a lot more interested in this, uh, even in bear markets. And the pump kind of acts way, way differently than we even think because we are the ones making it in a way, and we expect a different group of people to continue it, aka move the price. And it just plays out completely differently. And I think what you guys are saying is totally on point because. This is uh, maybe the third one. I wouldn't even count ETH Classic as a, as a, as a proper listing because that was kind of uh, you know, not really efficient. But this is uh, the second or third one. So we'll see what happens from here in terms of excitement from the market.
0: It is worth noting that uh, Basic Attention Token has been on a pretty steady price ac- appreciation ever since uh, ZRX got added. So when ZRX got added, Basic Attention Token was at $0.17, cents and BAT pumped uh, with ZRX uh, because people thought that, you know, well, they since they added ZRX, they're definitely going to add BAT, which people were apparently right in thinking. Um, so yeah, b- uh, at the time that ZRX was added, uh, Basic Attention Token was between 16 and $0.18, cents. And then uh, at the middle of October, it moved all the way up to 28 cents, which is where it is now. Uh, and then it kind of excitement kind of dwindled off. and then it got added to, to uh, Coinbase and went from 26 to 30 31 cents. And so we might have actually what we t- what were talking about actually could just be invalidated by the fact that it's actually been pumping for the last month uh, on speculation that it's been added to Coinbase, which might be a reason was why this pump wasn't so great.
2: And, and on the same note actually, I- I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not sure the exact time that this was announced, but there was that announcement that Coinbase made that they were going to list, um, I think it was like a list of maybe six to eight tokens, and that list had BAT mm. on it. Uh, so that was part of it, I think.
0: Ah, uh, Yeah, that is yeah, that is relevant. So Coinbase is, is staying pretty true to their the requirements of only listing tokens that have an actual uh, use case. Uh, so without the Brave browser, Bat, I don't think Bat would have been listed on Coinbase. Um, I mean, the Brave browser almost is Bat, uh, but ZRX has a, a is a was sold fifty one percent of the tokens in the token sale, so it's decentralized from day one. Um, and I think Bat sold over over fifty percent as well, and also has a working product. Uh, so that's why I think I think we can definitely count on that framework going forward, uh, where the token actually needs to be live and and utilized by a decentralized network of participants in order for it to get listed on coinbase so that's probably why we're not going to see tokens like omg or any other token with an incomplete project uh on coinbase
1: totally so i have a i have a tweet here from kevin fam it's kind of funny and i think it's pretty relevant he tweeted yesterday Shitcoin investing has devolved from reading white papers and doing fundamental analysis to speculating which shitcoin will be added to Coinbase next, based on the team's relationship with Coinbase XX.
2: That's that's so true. It's unfortunate, but that's just how the markets played out. That's what the bear market does to people, right?
0: I do agree there's some some degree of truth there where Coinbase does have their own incentives, uh, such as their incentive to grow the ZRX ecosystem, because ZRX is about tokens and trading tokens, which is basically Coinbase's model. Um, But at the same time, we do have to give them credit, like everything they are doing with our token listings is legitimate, like they're logisting, they're they're listing tokens that actually are being used and has a community um, and has and working projects. So there's there's two sides to that argument, I think.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's kind of debatable from a Bitcoin maximalist perspective, but from a high kind of, uh, I guess, more objective view, uh, you could say that that's correct.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, kind of moving into so it. I think that's
0: a nice segue into it. Uh, I'm sorry. What?
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry to interrupt the segue. I was trying to segue myself, but I was going to say <laughs> this this bat listing has kind of introduced. Uh, A typical uh, Bitcoin maximalist criticism of BAT and other utility tokens that try to be money. Um, I think Francis Pouillot, which is a pretty uh, well-known Bitcoin maximalist on Twitter, uh, was actually having an argument with Brandon, the CEO of Brave and BAT, about um, why they should be using Lightning on Brave browser. Um, So I think it's pretty funny how that topic keeps re-emerging, and I think it's a good uh, segue into our conversation about hyper-Bitcoinization.
0: Absolutely. I'll let you guys take it away.
2: Hyper-Bitcoinization. So I think we should go over what that briefly kind of means for users who might not be informed on that. Christian, you want to break that down?
1: Sure. So hyper-Bitcoinization was first coined by this uh, gentleman named Daniel Kerwitz who is part of the Nakamoto Institute in 2014. And it's this idea that is like, the what is the opposite of hyperinflation, right? So hyperinflation is when money is being printed so fast that the value of the money is constantly uh, being destroyed. So therefore, everyone is constantly trying to get out of the money so they can hold value. Um, so what is the opposite of that with a currency that's deflationary like Bitcoin? is hyper-Bitcoinization, where Bitcoin is appreciating so fast that all of a sudden everyone is trying to get
2: into it so that way they don't lose out on the value capture. Yeah, and, and to add to that, I think uh, simply put, hyper-Bitcoinization in terms of what that would look like in like a global economy uh, and on that level is basically economies that we currently have. And we can just refer to the global economy because there is no established economy right now that is not really uh, running on fiat systems, but hyper-Bitcoinization uh, in the real world would look like global economies that are running on fiat, eventually not being able to be sustainable on that monetary system. And then we reach a kind of tipping point where the societies shift over to value in the form of a cryptocurrency. And that's just because it's a better medium of exchange to hold its value better. And that cryptocurrency will most likely hopefully be Bitcoin. So I think it's a really interesting conversation that can be had around that for sure.
0: Interesting. Uh, I've always thought that hyper Bitcoinization always had a, a connotation of uh, dominating the cryptocurrency markets in like a 90% plus uh, manner. Is that is that right? Or is that something else?
2: I think that's a product. That's definitely true because that's obviously a byproduct of hyper Bitcoinization. I think that's a byproduct of its uh, overall effect and I think it's just because uh, that 90% or that Bitcoin dominance I feel like is just going to come, if it is going to be 90%, I think it's going to come from the fact that value will flock to a certain protocol more, the rather than being distributed amongst like two or three like we imagine happening with uh, Litecoin as Bitcoin silver, but that's definitely part of it for sure.
1: Jumping in here as well, hyper-Bitcoinization is definitely about real-world wealth being stored in Bitcoin over anything else. So that includes gold as well. So it's really not about Bitcoin versus altcoins. It's Bitcoin versus everything. Absolutely.
0: So I've always thought that uh, uh, not just cryptocurrency, but starting with cryptocurrency, that there's going to be a technology stack. Uh, and Bitcoin is at the bottom, uh, and I think I, I, I definitely think that uh, Ethereum has had uh, a, an escape velocity where it has you know it d- enough developer share, enough investment interest, enough uh, market cap, where it will definitely be a thing that will exist uh, in the future. Uh, however, the fact that uh, Bitcoin has uh, finite uh, supply will always uh, drive. Uh, value accrual to Bitcoin first, simply because, uh, that's just where the incentive lies to store your value, because, you know, it's always going to, if you have, you know, X number of Bitcoin, you always know that you have, uh, the same X percentage of the market. Uh, whereas with Ethereum, uh, there's always going to be some sort of inflation it looks like. And so people will allocate their capital, uh, accordingly. Uh, but I do think that there's going to be a, a stack where like, uh, Bitcoin's at the bottom, and then maybe the, uh, Ethereum is on top of it, and uh, what we what we kind of talked about with last episode with uh, tokenized Bitcoin on Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin will be able to gain access to the Ethereum stack, uh, and then be able to have the functionality that, that all uh, ERC-20 tokens have on Ethereum, and then we can keep on going up the stack, and up the stack kind of means um, second second, third fourth layer uh, uh, functionality but also also uh, with uh, different uh, uh, inflation schedules and so monero has a pretty uh, aggressive inflation schedule where it's supposed to inflate somewhere between like uh, four to eight percent a year over time Uh, and so you know monero definitely has a use case that bitcoin doesn't but it also doesn't have the finite supply that bitcoin has and so there's going to be some amount of value accrual at monero but not as much because of the inflation schedule uh, and so as you go up the stack to more and more inflating things, you, you have different functions and features. Uh, but once people uh, get done with those utilities, those, those functions that they, when, once they get done what they wanted to get done, they will go back down the stack and settle on the Bitcoin blockchain. That's kind of my perception of this. And I think that's not totally exactly what hyper-Bitcoinization is, but it's also relatively synonymous to a large degree as well. How do you guys feel about that?
1: None of us really know how, from a technological perspective, how this is going to fully pay out. There's a lot of people trying to build out different use case technologies that enable decentralized, uh, I guess, communication and organization. And I'm really not sure where Ethereum plays there. But the idea of hyper-Bitcoinization is that the value is going to be held in the token with the least inflation and the essentially the hardest money principles uh, so what you're describing is effectively a flavor of Bitcoin is a hyper Bitcoinization
2: yeah and I mean on top of that I think Dave what you were saying about the stacks I think I I, I, li- I like how you kind of pointed out that that might not be exactly what your definition or of what hyper Bitcoinization is but I feel like in a way it's part of it because it's 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 also the idea that what we're talking about here is the protocol and obviously bitcoin and all these incredible um things that are happening with these other altcoins like for for example he said inflate uh, monero has an inflation curve uh you know four to eight percent a year and it doesn't have that finance supply like bitcoin uh for a foreseeable amount of time you know i think we can look at monero as a payment system Definitely not a store of value, just like for the reason you pointed out. But I think that Monero has a lot of features in it, such as, you know, bulletproofs. And, you know, they're looking at other kind of uh, cryptographic tricks to, you know, I guess just make Monero better in layman's terms. But those implementations, like I said in the beginning of this little rant, this is a protocol. So the things that, you know, prove to work uh, from Monero and... Not so much Ethereum because it has such a different purpose, even though we could definitely argue that uh, whatever smart contracts prove to definitely add value to a protocol that uh, whose main purpose is a store value, it can definitely be implemented to that protocol after a certain period of time. But these awesome features like Bulletproofs from Monero and just um, implementations of protocols that prove to work over a certain period of time will eventually be added to this uh base layer stack if they prove to the entire community of Bitcoin and I guess the world that it adds a certain value. So I think that hyper Bitcoinization discussion is very in line with this like stack vision that you're describing. Uh, And it's just that there will be a certain point where the stack is somewhat minimized in a way that I don't think any of us can really envision yet because we just don't know what that looks like from an economic and you know cryptography perspective.
0: So we started this conversation uh, talking about basic attention token and uh, its bridge to hyper-Bitcoinization. So do you guys want to talk about where that conversation starts with, with what basic attention token is in relation to hyper-Bitcoinization? Yeah, so... Or what it's not, mainly?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I can. I just want to start with this uh, interesting comparison that is why this is even a conversation, and I'm lucky. You know, I, I'm glad that we're, all of us are having it. But basically, Bitcoin maximalists have this uh, ideology that basically anything with value, uh, you know, should be on Bitcoin eventually, and that's exactly where the conversation with them and BAT is headed. Uh, more so, BAT is a token that is used as a uh, payment, you know, that has some sort of value, and that's its main use case on a on a, a platform that can basically be used, uh, you know, on its own, and the token is just. The value the argument from bitcoin maximalist perspective is that because this token uh its main purpose is to have value that's transferable across this brave browser why not use bitcoin as the underlying protocol layer
1: yeah just to add on to that to really summarize and make it simple by having many tokens you add lots of friction that is completely unnecessary people you know people want money they don't want some gift card that they have to exchange for money somewhere else or go on to Uphold and switch it out in KYC to get it. Like They don't want all of that extra friction. It makes for a really bad UX if ultimately people want to get money. So um, people are saying that BAT just purely does not have any of the fundamentals that are necessary to become money in the long run. So why not try to push Bitcoin, which actually potentially could have that future?
0: So that actually brought, brings me to a pretty good point that I think that uh, I I make not to uh, not to uh, toot my own horn or anything, but if Bitcoin the maximalists think that uh, basic attention token should just be Bitcoin, well Brave is open source, and we're yet to see anyone go and fork Brave and turn it into a Lightning network uh, browser. Uh, and so there's so much criticism going against Brandon Ike for how he couldn't raise any Bitcoin to get uh, uh, the Brave browser started. And so he ICOed basic attention token and got like $60 million to do that. Um, and so, so all these Bitcoin maximalists are, are, are you know, shitting on Brandon for, for, you know, securities fraud and issuing a token that doesn't need to exist. But we're still yet to see somebody actually do the work and go and fork uh, the Brave browser and actually use, uh, use Bitcoin on it. Uh, and so and until something like that happens, I, I, I see uh, a use case for a token uh, like the basic attention token uh, to do something like uh, force a convergence of a community onto the open source Brave uh, network. Uh, and so people can go and buy the basic attention token and then get uh, incentivized to uh, grow the network and then start shilling the Brave browser and the purpose of the Brave token Um and and start contributing to this open source ecosystem and i haven't seen that yet happen with bitcoin um so i would be i would be much more convinced of this uh hyper bitcoinization argument if i saw something like that but i just don't see something like that happening
2: i love the way you put that because i feel like the reason why it's put that way is because we're in such a nascent industry and because it's so new right so we still have this uh this period in cryptocurrency where a lot of the people who have big voices and a lot of them, especially in Bitcoin, are either developers, but more so people who just got rich off of Bitcoin. Uh, And, you know, we don't know exactly how. Uh, Well, we do. But my point is that it's in very different ways and that these people are not necessarily the same ones that are the most adequate or apt to pioneer movements that would result in, you know, awesome community effects like forking a Brave browser and making it uh, something related towards Bitcoin. I think we're so early in that, that uh, it's just something that we have to kind of let play out in terms of Bitcoin being accepted. And yeah. Do you guys know what BitPay is? Of course. BitPay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What so BitPay is... But do you a, want to explain it for our audience, Christian? Yeah, so BitPay is a payment processor. Essentially what they do is they built out the infrastructure for merchants online to accept Bitcoin and then have that Bitcoin transfer into fiat, into their bank account, um, you know, kind of all through it, one seamless process. So BitPay has, in the last few years, has instrumented kind of aggressive... Policies towards what Bitcoin maximalists believe is the best uh, situation for Bitcoin Um, And recently uh, A developer forked all of BitPay and rewrote it as BTC Pay server So I do think that The community is completely able to do that There just hasn't been enough incentive for someone to allocate their time to it, right? So BitPay was really the only a solution for merchants to do something other than roll their own uh, and that became a huge friction point for anyone that wanted to accept Bitcoin especially if they were not philosophically aligned with BitPay's views on Bitcoin. So until Brave puts itself into like a friction
2: point like that I, I just don't think that someone is going to do it. And so this goes back to, you know, what I was just saying about how we uh, we see Bitcoin as a stack, uh, like Dave, what you were describing, and eventually we'll see awesome implementations, you know, applied on top of the protocol or a soft fork basically into the protocol eventually if it proves to have uh, true value that a community can agree upon. Uh, I think that the only reason why we haven't seen someone fork a lightning browser version of Brave is because simply because it just hasn't happened yet uh and i think that that's when that does happen because it almost sounds inevitable i think we can all agree on that when that does happen it it just proves that whole notion that well the best things from other organizations and communities will eventually be implemented into bitcoin in to some degree if it has some kind of actual value and with that being said too lightning is really really not ready
1: for most people to use i would say i'm a pretty into to Bitcoin, and I still don't have a mobile whitening wallet that I'm comfortable using. And the main one for iOS is not even out yet, which is Zap Wallet. So, with I mean, on the flip side, Ethereum wallets and all that stuff is very widely used and easy to attain, at least for someone who at least has started diving down the rabbit hole. So, I do kind of empathize with this idea that Um, You can't always wait for the technology to be ready for Bitcoin, but when the technology is ready, Bitcoin does have the Lindy effect and the network effects to suck up those features and essentially make them irrelevant for other coins and other use
2: cases. And and just one thinking point that I I love to uh, always refer back to when we talk about stuff like this, about how it's so, uh, you know, usage and stuff like that. I saw somewhere on Twitter recently where basically somebody described how the interfaces that we use right now with Bitcoin and Ethereum and, you know, everyone that uses Ethereum because there's no other way to use it other than this way. The way that we interact with addresses and wallets is the way that people interact with command line interfaces regarding computers and that eventually Mm -hmm. um, interacting with the command line interface is going to be as silly and ridiculous as interacting with an actual wallet address. And I think that when that period happens is when we really start to see cool stuff around this whole concept of just everything, even, even hyper-Bitcoinization itself.
0: Yeah, I'm generally in line with everything you guys have said. Uh, so let's uh, talk about Ethereum. Where, does, where do you guys think Ethereum lies in this world of hyper-Bitcoinization?
2: So Ethereum is interesting because Ethereum from the very beginning was never meant to be a uh, payment platform. It was never meant to be a token that's supposed to hold value. It was always from the very beginning meant to be a token that uh, is meant to be used on a platform that's supposed to be a quote-unquote world computer. It's supposed to be a token that incentivizes people to act a certain way and it executes certain actions on Ethereum. It was never meant for people to buy and hodl the way that people have talked about it over the last year. Uh, I think that that kind of just came from the natural appreciation of it because of what Ethereum allowed people to do uh, regarding ICOs, and that hasn't been done before, and really nothing else besides that. Uh, In terms of hyper-Bitcoinization, a lot of Bitcoin maximalists uh, point out, and to an extent I agree with it myself, uh, that Ethereum has almost failed in all of its aspects in terms of it set out to be a world computer where um, decentralized applications can function and all this stuff, but I think that it missed, and not with uh, bad intentions, but it missed a lot of things that needed to be uh, done or put in place beforehand before anything that Ethereum wanted to actually accomplish could actually be done. Like what? Uh, well, we we talk about uh, a decentralized Facebook, a decentralized Twitter, you know, massive decentralized apps and. Forget about relating them to regular applications in the real world, but more so look at just applications with users. Any application with any users is not supportable on the Ethereum blockchain right now. So from that sense, Ethereum has for now, because I say for now because these are protocols that can be improved, for now Ethereum has failed in that regard.
0: Well, I would say that, that you're having a double standard here where we're talking about how Lightning Network just isn't ready for the use cases that are required from from platforms like Brave or any other like stack on top of it. And Ethereum is in the same boat. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Vitalik's opening remarks from DevCon 4, but he kind of lays the groundwork for Ethereum 2.0 and what happens after they implement Casper and Sharding and eWASM and all the other things. Um, and so the... I don't think you get to say that Ethereum failed. Past tense. Uh, I think we have plenty of of uh, future development, and and Ethereum is like a hundred times more complicated to develop than than Bitcoin because Bitcoin is relatively simple and it's built like that. Um, but as far as as saying any sort of uh, definitive conclusion, I don't think uh, we're ready in this world to say to say what's happened.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to jump in here with a slightly contrarian opinion from most Bitcoiners. Uh, I actually think that Ethereum has a chance of surviving, but for none of the reasons why most Ethereum people are bullish on Ethereum. I think that Ethereum has a chance of lasting for the same reasons that Bitcoin is lasting. and that is the Lindy effect. So the longer that it's around, the longer it's going we can expect it to stay around. And that the fact that other financial institutions are building out solutions, on top of Ethereum that are wouldn't be considered decentralized. They would not be considered um, like as some sort of a autonomous self-executing application, but rather they're just financial institutions that use a similar protocol, right? So I think decentralized finance as a meme and as a movement has some legs to it. But outside of that, um, I, I do agree with Michael that Ethereum... Has not achieved what has originally sold to do. Whereas the difference is, Lightning Network is in progression in building out a payment network for Bitcoin, but Bitcoin itself is achieving sound money, and it has never promised to do anything outside of that.
2: And one thing I just want to like interject with because I kind of am laughing as we're discussing this and we're talking about. Uh, what's ready, what's not, and what's new, what's going to be used. Again, reality check. We are in such a nascent industry that you can almost say is like a first out in the first inning of a massive baseball game or it's, you know, the internet in 1992. So it, we, are, we are discussing things right now that if we replay this when Bitcoin is uh, developed... We would sound like the same people who were talking about in 1993, oh, the internet is not going to be able to do things that, you know, enter a phrase that we use every single day. So all these different features and use cases are so far beyond, like, our actual time right now in terms of what's uh, able to be used. So just <laughs> let's take a step back because there's a lot of stuff that we could, uh, you know, lots of time has to go by before this is ready is what I want to say.
0: You know, we hear that that the uh, line of reasoning a lot. Like, we just don't know the future. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna sound like idiots because um, you know we we just don't have the information. I actually think that's uh, a pretty reasonable to assume that that's actually less true than uh, you know the early '90s predicting the internet, simply because uh, we have the internet to have a lot more discourse and conversations, and people get to. Uh, I think people are, are more apt at predicting the future because we have so much data, more data in this world at large and a much higher uh, ability to transfer this data around and discuss this data. And so people in the cryptocurrency space uh, who are like um, uh, doing just a lot of analysis and refining and collecting a lot of ideas and, and the fact that you know, crypto Twitter and, uh, and hedge funds allow smart people to come to the surface I actually think that we're going to be able to predict the future a lot better than we were uh, when we talk about like predicting the future of the internet. Um, simply because we have the internet to refine ideas at, take a lot more data and and have a lot more data refineries, which are I define smart people as data refineries, um, and actually produce a reasonable outcome for the future that's allowed to be you know cross-referenced and cross-checked by other smart people. Um, and then I, I think and I, so I think that there's, you know, that's that's how we kind of can generally come to the conclusion that the basic attention token probably won't hold too much value. Uh, I mean, we're not really totally sure about that future because we just don't know. But the more people get into the space, the more people tend to think that uh, any any token with a velocity, uh, an infinite velocity will generally hold not val- uh, will hold no value. We don't actually know this because we don't actually see. Because because we'll, all token prices are like ninety five percent speculation and five percent utility at best. Um, at best. But I, but yeah,
2: yeah. Definitely. Uh, so I, I think I think the the vision of how we're going to be able to predict the future uh, in in relation to what we've seen with the internet, and also in relation to the notion that history doesn't repeat but it does rhyme. I think Mm -hmm. we can see part of it happen in relation to how the internet played out, but there's a huge part that I think, and a lot of this gets really, really uh, in depth in the book, Radical Markets. Um, Let's get cosmic, baby. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it really gets, we really can't predict the future in any way in terms of what's going to happen in terms of value. Um, because we have been born into a period, uh, and this is where Bitcoin just really comes in and just has a huge light bulb, but we've really been born into a period where we were given a money by a centralized authority, and they have dictated its value from since we were born, from since our grandparents and great-grandparents were born, depending on if we're, you know, from here, if we immigrated at a certain period, but... Point is, is that in terms of how we perceive value, we've never been able to imagine it in the way that we're going to be able to um, when Bitcoin reaches its you know, peak uh, point of global adoption. Uh, I think that from that aspect, there's really no way to gauge you know, how people like there will be so many billionaires in 100 years and we're, we're going to look at value so differently, even just from that aspect alone, because of this shift and because it's coming from a like, sovereign place uh, from the people it's gonna just change this uh, entire I, I yeah it's just gonna change the entire perspective and how we look at that and it's not predictable from my from my perspective at least
1: let's just say hyper Bitcoinization sound money becomes prolific throughout the world what are the repercussions of those I'd love to kind of get uh, first David's kind of like vision of what having a sound money in the world would look like and then Michaels and then I guess I can chime into what I you know can kind of envision in this, utopi- or in this utopia with sound money. Yeah, so that's actually kind of where I was going to
0: take this. Um, I have a debate with Hunter, our mutual friend Christian, and also a fellow member of the CryptChat chat, chat um, who claims that Bitcoin uh, won't be able to work because Austrian economies have never worked before in history. Um, but I think that's actually a, a fundamental uh, mistake in an argument, simply because... Uh, Austrian economies not working and Bitcoin being adopted as sound money are actually not the same thing. Uh, and so we can you can say that Austrian economies don't work and that's a bad thing and, and we shouldn't have that and Keynesian economies are the way to go. But that's different from the underlying incentive structure to buy Bitcoin because of its sound moneyness. Uh, and so Bitcoin can still accrue in value and get adopted even though Austrian economics don't work um and and so you have to i think we have to separate those things is that there's always going to be this incentive if if we assume that bitcoin has uh, reached uh, escape velocity and it's on its way to global adoption uh the zero the the hard 21 million limit of bitcoin will always provide enough of an incentive to purchase it that uh we are kind of forced into austrian econ- economics rather than uh, going there by choice um yeah, what was your question, so, Christian? So what
1: does that actually look like? Like, it, it. how does that play out in the world?
0: Yeah, so I think everyone just has their own personal bank account of Bitcoin, which they do their best to not release control of until they actually need uh, to purchase something.
1: Sure, but you care to, like, like what is that going to mean for my mom? You know, like, what does that mean for doing business with someone in China? Like... You know, I'm I'm trying to like. What are the second and third order effects here?
0: Yeah, so um, I think that's kind of where the the tech stack comes uh, into into play here, where you we will exchange our Bitcoin for a different currency that is more uh, exchangeable, like a like the U.S. dollar or U.S. dollar stablecoin or some inflationary. Um inflationary currency. And so I don't th- I actually don't think that people will be transacting in Bitcoin too much unless it's really large settlements. Um, but people will be exchanging for uh, more transactional based cr- uh, cryptocurrencies or, or fiat currencies simply because uh, that's where the velocity will go to. Um, and so Bitcoin will be this very low velocity token and then all all the tokens up the stack will increase in velocity as they uh, inc- uh, as they become a more exchangeable, uh, unit of account. Uh, and so that kind of allows economies to retain their, their desperate currencies uh, that are separate and, and unrelated from each other uh, and kind of kind of allow the old world and the new world to, to bridge. Um, but over time, uh, the old world will increasingly settle on the new world. Um, and then at, at the point where everyone who was born 1970s and earlier is dead, uh, it's just the new world at that point.
2: So I, I think it's funny because hyper-Bitcoinization, uh, if true, kind of paints a picture that really from all aspects except for one, which is the, oh, if you're holding Bitcoin aspect, meaning, oh, you're also getting ridiculously rich off of hyper-Bitcoinization aspect. From every aspect except from that, hyper-Bitcoinization in the way that it's truly envisioned by Bitcoin maximalists is actually very detrimental to society because what we're talking about when we talk about hyper-Bitcoinization is also an, incre- an incredibly radical shift where entire societies basically lose faith in their government. And the best way that that happens is because they lose faith in the value that the government's given them. Uh, that's where hyper-Bitcoinization or just loss of faith in the government's monetary policy is originally derived from. So in that sense, Christian, you're saying what does it look like I really I don't think I have the answer to that because if we talk about it the way that we do, it also entails a lot of very negative things happening uh, across the world. And I think it starts in places that we've seen. It already happen to a very small degree in places like Zimbabwe, Argentina, uh, Bolivia too, if I'm not mistaken. But it's just that hyper-Bitcoinization entails something that's so... Uh, violent and it's not something that I feel like we would wish for, you know, as, as good humans, uh, you know, yay, let's, let's have people basically gun down each other over their value, um, because they can't rely on the money that they're, that they have in their bank accounts. Like, you know, who knows what's worth anything anymore. That's not something that we can like, you know, envision in like a optimistic spirit. So I don't know what it looks like, but it is something that, you know, will change all of us if it happens the way that we envision.
0: I do think there's something to say about a, a lack of faith in centralized governments, uh, but I'm, I'm generally optimistic that that will be replaced by some sort of uh, uh, internet-based governance system that people can, you know, um, people can uh, w- willingly sign up for or not sign up for. Um, some, some sort of like cyber UN, I think is uh, generally possible in the future that, that could replace uh, old legacy governments.
1: So jumping in here, my vision is totally different than both of you guys. Um, just to, I, I guess there's <laughs> some things that both of you said that I agree with. I don't know if we're going to be transacting in Bitcoin. If there's going to be like some sort of currency stack on top of that, maybe that's the case. But I for sure think that in a hyper Bitcoinization uh, situation, uh, there's going it's going to be whatever it is will be settled on the Bitcoin blockchain. The idea is that all value is going to be recorded and settled on the bitcoin blockchain i agree with that who knows if we're going to be transacting in satoshis or if we're going to be transacting in some other you know high velocity money um but with to kind of combat what michael is saying i think that there's going to brief period of lots of pain because hyper bitcoinization goes hand in hand with hyperinflation of all other fiat currencies But with that being said, ultimately, we're fighting against fiat currencies because they are inefficient and they do not allow the market to choose a money. So ultimately, if sound money were to become ubiquitous and Bitcoin were to become ubiquitous, theoretically, that would create a much more efficient planet and a much better money system. If you think about all of these people living in countries that are not in the EU, not China, and I mean let's take away china from that not us not a major government with a stable currency they have no good way of holding on to value and then on top of that it is like the ux of maintaining value is like the worst thing ever like everyone has to turn into a miniature investor investing into real estate investing into stocks just so they don't lose their money over time for now christian bitcoin bitcoin offers a alternative where you can be an investor searching for yield, but you could just be a simple person making money, and you know that that money is going to hold its value, and actually, it will increase in value slightly over time. So, ultimately, I think that plays out into a peaceful revolution where people are empowered via defensive technologies, and centralized massive institutions are lose lose their grasp on power and and they're taking away freedoms from individuals via their control of the money system
2: and as one last little uh point i want to bring up because i think it has a lot to do with this uh and it might be so i'll just get into it basically i think that there might be small economies around the world you know ones that aren't as established and you know quote unquote first world like Uh, you know, the Americas or, you know, Europe. But I think that there will be small economies out there whose actual monetary system that they currently live in will fail and they will entirely adopt Bitcoin as their currency because they're just not strong enough as a government to establish something that, you know, they can create on their own. Um, So in that sense, they either adopt a very strong fiat currency, strong is subjective because no fiat is strong, but they either adopt something like the U.S. dollar, which I don't think will happen... Or they adopt something like Bitcoin, which I think is much more likely.
0: I think any uh, country that has a U.S. dollar peg uh, will be much more incentivized to adopt Bitcoin simply because why would they uh, put themselves under the thumb of the United States when they could put themselves uh, under the thumb of a ownerless decentralized uh, currency that seems to be getting adopted by more and more uh, uh countries that don't have the kind of leverage that united states have
1: it sounds like we all agree that
2: bitcoinization has a path of success where 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 i'm coming from dave though because i think i think we disagree on what you just said i think that the u.s peg is the first uh place that people will look towards in terms of pegging their own value because in my head it's not like whether they decide between the u.s dollar or bitcoin it's forget about Bitcoin, in terms of fiat, do we decide of, about the US dollar or do we decide about like, you know, whatever the, forgot what the currency in Zimbabwe was or do we decide on that? Uh, so I think fiat in terms of where the US uh, dollar is coming from is the strongest uh, option besides Bitcoin. I agree that in the short to
1: midterm, US dollar is going to look very strong in the long term, long very
2: long Bitcoin. Absolutely. Without a doubt.
0: So I have a question for you guys to close this conversation out unless you guys have any other points you want to hit on.
2: No oh, yeah, hit us. Yeah, let's do it.
0: So I'm assuming you both buy Bitcoin as an investment. What else do you buy as an investment?
2: Square stock. That's not Bitcoin. <laughs> Square. Square stock, of course. Uh, besides Bitcoin. Yeah. So it's interesting because I I'm very bullish on are, are we allowed to show here? Yeah, um, no, hey, we do oh, yeah. all day. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I credit a lot of this to people um, like Eric Voorhees and whatnot, just as thought leaders that have made me like think about things this way, but basically, I think that there's certain um, protocols and certain like stacks that have to be developed before uh, we think about what we, you know, the sexy stuff, like a decentralized Twitter and Facebook. So one of the things I love looking at right now is decentralized uh, storage solutions and service solutions, namely SciCoin. SciCoin is a great project. has a great thing on its uh, – uh, a great team, basically. I'm not going to get into the weeds of it, but they basically have uh, a very, very adequate solution to allow for a decentralized Twitter and Facebook. Besides that, I think it's really just the, the infrastructure protocols – um, but in terms of what am I specifically buying, not much besides Scicoin, Bitcoin and Ravencoin, Raven coin, which definitely had a decent pump, uh, got listed on Binance. It's one of those coins that aims to decentralize, uh, value in a way that, uh, you can tokenize it. So we'll see how that plays out, but no promises from here. Christian, what are you looking at?
1: So, I mostly dollar-cost average into Bitcoin. I'm considering switching my couple miners onto ETH. I think that short to mid-term ETH is going to be performing well. But that is ultimately a play just to get more Bitcoin. You know, I think SciAcoin and Ravencoin are both pure shitcoins. Like, I just do not believe in Sciacoin's value proposition whatsoever. Um, but I mean, they, they recently hard forked out miners that the free market produced because they themselves could not create the miners fast enough. So if you guys have been following the story with Gab, effectively this maniac alt-right dude was, was like tweeting on Gab about like all of his alt-right thoughts before he went into a synagogue and shot it up. And since then, all the service providers that were, like, providing, like, the payment solutions and the hosting services and all that stuff for Gab kind of cut it out. And there are competing providers around the world that enabled them to uh, to keep the, the service running, right? So I think that when it comes to decentralized storage, there's just going to be regulatory arbitrage, and there's going to be services that... Are centralized and provide ser- and kind of provide that storage. I, I think that SiaCoin is no different than any other of these cloud service providers, except that they have a shitty UX.
0: Well, when it comes to storage service, uh, there are, you have to pay for it, so value does have to be transferred from from the you know the, the payer to the to the receiver. Uh, whether that that's different from saying that SiaCoin will actually have any value. Uh, when it comes to storage service, I think if if we're going to be bullish on any of the current storage services out there, it's going to be storage simply because it's on Ethereum and having it, uh, having the storage service platform be on the same platform as all the other activity I think will allow storage to bootstrap itself um, up in, and surpass all the other storage service providers. Um, I also have a pair of storage socks, so that's the other reason why I'm bullish on it. Um, bullish on socks. As for... Yeah, <laughs> buy socks. As for a- other things that I'm buying, uh, I'm cl- uh, getting my way to 32 ETH so I can stake it. Uh, I think staking uh, Ether provides a very strong uh, incentive to remove Ether from the secondary market, which uh, is a viable. Contender against Bitcoin's uh, Bitcoin's twenty one million hard limit. If there's an incentive to pull the the tokens out of this out of the secondary market in the same way that there has for Bitcoin, I think that's a a valuable accrual of value. Um, And then also you can you can um, by definition always beat Ethereum's inflation if you stake. Uh, and so I think the the experiment between the 21 million hard cap of Bitcoin and the incentive to stake on on Ethereum will be an interesting experiment that I don't want to miss out on.
2: Interesting, nice. So
1: I think we hit we hit the Anything listeners with a lot of stuff. About? No, I feel like we should just sign it off. We got some football to watch over here, so uh,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Follow the show, guys. Cool. This was a great episode, guys. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Please rate share the podcast hit us up on twitter follow us on twitter at pov crypto pod
2: michael do you want to tell people where they can find you sure thing so i cover a lot of uh, content on bitcoin magazine so you can just find me with my uh name michael tyberg also on twitter i'm pretty active that twitter handle is at tyberg which is my last name spelling should be in the info or description
0: Hey, Michael, really appreciate having you on today. That was a great addition. I actually thoroughly enjoyed having uh, three hosts. Um, So you're welcome back anytime. I appreciate
2: that. Thanks for having me on, guys. So much. Awesome. And uh, you can find me
1: on Twitter. This is Christian at CK underscore Snarks. David?
0: You'll find me at Trustless underscore State, both on Medium and on Twitter. Uh, Yeah, that was a great episode. Let's uh, sign off. Awesome. See you guys later. Have a good one,
2: David. See you.